Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. I am so excited because as I speak these words, episode 60 is done. This, of course, is 59, but that means it's time for another recap where we answer questions from listeners on Facebook. By the time you hear this, it might be too late to contribute a question, but we designed those recaps so you can skip like 20 hours of content if you get behind and still enjoy yourself with the episodes as they come out via a 15-minute catch-up. Also, we really like talking to folks about D&D, so this is just another opportunity to do that. On that note, you can leave us a rating and review where you found this podcast, and we live at carrotsandsuffering.com or on Facebook. Okay, let's get into it. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Sable flew to the monastery lost in the thorns in search of a creature known as the Heartrender who may or may not have Yennefer Verathi's human heart and her missing emotions just lying around. And the walls are covered in anatomically correct beating human hearts. And sitting where the altar normally is, uh, is it a short man? The Heartrender turns out to be Sable's fairy father living in hiding. Mirkwood the Heartrender had swapped hearts with his wife, making her more fairy and him more human a fact that likely led to her death. He gives Sable Yennefer's heart free of charge and is basically just a sad sack. She looks up at what she now knows is her father and says, They're right. You do have gorgeous hair. Thank you. <laughs> Jalen comes home to discover that Jessica got married to Iris Lunari last night and her house is in a bit of a panic over it. Yes, your sister got married last night. <laughs> Sable learns that she has a brother named Drossel, the sage that Kylan Evans is trying to kill at the castle lost in the thorns right now. So, have you met your brother yet? What? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. That would. Well, you can't just stop there! Jalen finds an excuse to have Lynn come stay at House Lunari to defend Byron Mason, who might be in danger after rumors begin to spread that he was replaced by a fairy. Okay, then yes, Lynn, we are sending you to House Lunari. Please make sure that Byron and his children are safe, and take some of your old toys from the, the back storage study. And he'll nod and says, yes, I'll, I'll get the little rocking horse and some other things. Silpha checks on Leslie, who is feverishly debating marrying Harriet for their life's ambition, the title of Spymaster, at a cost, of course, of dumping Silpha and marrying someone they absolutely hate. Silpha then goes to House Lunari, where she puts on a show with her new fabricate spell for the Masons, which has an unintended result. Silpha Lunari, I would be honored if you would be my fiancé. So I think Silpha feels very put on the spot. She wasn't expecting an immediate proposal and so she gets this panicked look of terror for a split second before she realizes this man who's having trouble finding words and putting sentences together is probably just as put on the spot by his mother so she is able to compose herself and handle things in the manner her mother might so recalling the letter that she had written to byron during their courtship which contained lines of a poem describing a rose she conjures the minor illusion of a rose that is cream white with a pink blush at its tips and appears to pull this from her, her chest, from her heart, 
and she lays it across his where it disappears and says, Byron, you will always have a piece of my heart, but current circumstances make me unable to accept this commitment at this time. But I would love for you to revisit the question in the future. Let's get back into it. She will take this ring and she admires it and says, it's really lovely. Thank you. It's it's exactly my taste and I will keep it where I keep all things of import to me close to my heart. And she pulls out the chain on which she keeps the key to Lady Mia's bunker, fairy proof room, and she will put the ring on this chain and tuck it close into her clothes. And then she will grab his elbow and make sure she is publicly smiling for anyone observing. And she says, do you have time for a conversation? Let's go on a walk. Absolutely. And Byron gives a curt nod to his mother, who gives a very confused look at him. And he turns and arm in arm, you can go on a walk. She will take him on a walk around the perimeter of the orchard. Following the rules of propriety, they are not entirely alone. There's workers out winterizing the orchard, I'm sure. As soon as they're out of sight of the crowd of people, she will get a serious face. And she asks him, A lot of things happened last night. What news has made it to you and your family? Not a lot. It sounds like House Lunari was elevated last night. There was some sort of attack in the capital and at the Friker's house. But that's it so far. She takes a sharp breath inward and says, All of those things are true. Some of this has a direct impact upon you. And, well, I hoped I wouldn't be the one breaking the news to you. But I suppose perhaps it's best that I do. Okay. She'll look for somewhere where there are, like, a wooden bench. There's a meditation grove. <laughs> with one bizarre tree at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But there's a spot to sit. She will lead him over there and say, I think you're going to want to sit down for this. He sits down and says, okay. And she will seat herself next to him and say, The regent's keep was attacked last night by an entity called a fetch. Someone is taking these fetches and twisting their fairy magic for their own agenda. And this fetch, well, it looked like you, and it injured half a dozen people, and might have killed them were it not for Sable's healing magic and our potions. I think Byron looks really pale, and then he looks around and he says, sitting was a good idea, and he starts to focus on his breathing. You see him doing a lot of in through the nose, out through the mouth. I think she'll take his hand, then actually put an arm around him and place it on his shoulder. In between gasps for air, he says, is this, is this why we're not getting married? No. No, I realize this has serious ramifications, but I assure you my answer has nothing to do with that. Okay. He's toughing and puffing and he's turning greener now. You're pretty sure he's about to throw up. Oh, sweetie. Poor dude. Conjure him a bucket. <laughs> My friends and I met with the regent and his family to discuss current events after what happened. You are safe here. Measures are being taken to provide for your safety and that of your children. I think that prevents the vomit from happening. He grains it in just a little bit and then says, I have to set this straight. This puts the whole family in, in danger. I've got to talk to Lord Mintor. I've got, I've got to do something. 
No, Byron, please. The best thing you can do is to stay here. Here you are safe from fairy agents. And here I can protect you from most people. He gives you this panicked look on his face and he says, I believe you, but I have to secure the children somehow. I have to, we should move them somewhere and do something. Byron, my friendships with people in other noble houses have made me terribly aware that not every family functions as mine does, as people who care for each other and want success and happiness for each other. I don't have the kind of family where we sit making polite dinner conversation and then later plot behind closed doors to stab each other in the back. And so long as I have a say in it, my family will never be like that. So I'm going to ask a question that I hope does not offend you, but I don't know how else to phrase it. Do you feel safe with your family? Byron breathes in really deep and says, family is everything to the Masons. Well, that's not true. Family is the second most important thing to the Masons. Appearances are definitely the first. He starts to nervously twitch his fingers in his lap, and he says, okay, I can do this. Hold on. Give me a minute. And he just breathes, and he says, I know exactly what we need to do. I just need a hero. Okay, she's going to part ways with Lynn, because we were heading... He packed up a cart with his old toys to take to House Lunari. So she's going to part ways with him, and before they actually split, she's going to say, hey, if you get time to take a nap before you go on duty. Go into the barn, into the hayloft. There's some blankets and a pillow up there. It's warm and cozy and quiet, and you can take a nap there. He gets this weird quirk on his face and then says, okay. And she'll give him a peck on the cheek and send him off. And then she's going to socialize to have a word with Jessica. Yeah, you get a few dozen feet from socialize and it's loud there's something going on there's a party people have been pulled in off the street practically it's ruckus you haven't seen it this full in a long time mm. you have to shove elbow your way in to get anywhere near anything and it looks like a dance floor has been made by shoving tables together to form an elevated surface <laughs> but instead of dancing there appears to be an active fist fight going on with lots of cheering Iris, who is recognizable because if he has purple hair, is standing on these two tables doing fight announcing. Jessica is wearing a tattered, destroyed, blood-dripped white wedding dress. <laughs> She's got two black eyes and probably a broken nose and is very excited to take all comers. And that's what you walk into. There's booze everywhere. Does she currently have an opponent? You seem to have stepped in just in time to have her knock someone off the table. And she waves, walks over to Cass, who's in the corner, checks her teeth, casts a healing spell, sends her back up. Jalen will flag Jessica down before she gets back up on the stage. She's leaning over a corner, boxer ring style, when she sees you, and she her face lights up. Jalen! Jalen, come up here! It's my wedding. We gotta go around. Jaylen does a come here <laughs> thing. And she almost crawls across the top of the tables. People are cheering and trying to egg other people into the fight. You don't know how many people she's beaten at this juncture, but given how messed up her wedding dress is, a dozen. <laughs> probably not a lot of her own blood. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, she comes over to the edge of the ring and leans out over the table. What? What's going on? 
Jalen's going to grab her hand and pull her to the ground, and she's going to grab Iris and say, "Let's go. Let's go have a word, Jessica." And Iris shouts, "We'll be right back, folks. Drinks on me!" And there's just a loud cheer, and the two of them follow you. We're going to go out into the alley, probably. Okay, yeah, you you head around to the alley. You're not alone alone, but there's drunks around. <laughs> <laughs> Including the two I'm talking to, I'm sure. Yeah, no, they're toasty. Although she did just get healed, so she might be a little more sober. Yeah, maybe. Jalen's smiling, and she's genuinely smiling, and she says, Jessica, well done doing things your way. Yeah. Hey, guess what? What? I got married first. You Which did. means I win. You totally won. Jessica, I am on the moon happy for you. Thank you. And I mean that. And I want you to understand where I'm coming from when I say what I'm going to say next. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Your father is also genuinely thrilled, but also devastated that you've gone and done things a bit out of order. He would have told me no. Jessica. Yes. I need you to listen to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lord Evans is going to plan a formal ceremony and party to happen at the Lenari estate. Don't worry, this means you get two parties instead of just one. I like parties. And I don't know anybody who deserves two parties more than you do. Yeah, well, he's probably not going to let me have fistfights at the other party, though. You're going to go, and Iris is going to go, and you're going to behave... And you're going to dote on your father while he dotes on you, while he gives you away, while he dances with you, while he toasts and roasts your new husband. Jessica, you don't get to screw up the novelty of having a father who loves you and who cares about you and has the freedom to show it and who genuinely wants to play his part in securing your happiness and your future. You don't get to throw that back in his face, and you don't get to throw it in mine. Do you understand? All right, give me your persuasion or your intimidate. You choose. Yeah, it's both the same. Okay, come on. <laughs> Ten. Ten, okay. She's pretty drunk. Thank goodness. <laughs> so she leans in pretty close to you, and she says, Jalen, I will do anything you want if you fight me. <laughs> That's fair. And you. She turns to Iris. Iris puts his hands up, and he's like, no, I'm in. Whatever. I Iris, welcome to the family, new brother mine. You, when you've slept it off, are going to march your purple-haired ass to House Evans, and you're going to formally introduce yourself to Lord Evans, and then you're going to sit down, and you're going to have a tedious and boring conversation about your prospects, at the end of which you will humbly ask his permission to ask his daughter to marry you. Do you understand? <laughs> All right, roll again, but you have advantage this time. Yeah, 21. Ah. 21. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. I can, yeah, uh-huh. And Jessica's like, don't be mean to my husband. I'm going to I'm gonna bunch you. Come on, let's go to the tables. All right, Jessica, we'll go to the tables. This is your wedding fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this just fisticuffs or are we like weapons? No, it's just fisticuffs. Okay. She'll follow her in and she'll, is there anybody she knows in here? She'd like to leave her weapons with somebody she can trust. <laughs> I mean, you've been in here a few times. You can hand them over to the bartender. Okay, yep. She'll take a solid three minutes to strip off all of her weapons and then climb up on the table. Jessica climbs up on the table and starts trying to rile the crowd up while you're doing this. Iris climbs up on the table and starts taking bets. It's sister v. sister. Mm -hmm. So this is very exciting. 
people are throwing coins at Iris. It doesn't seem to be terribly relevant who wins, truth be told, but it, they're having a great time. So we're going to abstract this a little bit. Let's do a best two out of three athletics checks. Can I do acrobatics? She would be fighting more dexterously, probably. Yes. Okay. You can do acrobatics. Jessica will do athletics and loser falls off the table. Okay. With a bloody nose. <laughs> yes. Okay. Two out of three. Yep. Two out of three. Let me get my d20s up here. All right. So Jessica has a plus five, and her first roll comes to a 22. Jalen's comes to a 20. 20, okay. It's a real good fight. You two are extremely good at this. We've sparred together a lot. You also know not to pull punches, and she never does. Right. So Jessica's gaining the upper hand. Roll again. Ooh, nine. Ooh, that's an at 20 from Jessica. Jessica knocks her down. <laughs> Jessica proceeds. This fight's going really, really intensely, at which point she does a drunken two-footed kick to your chest. You fly off into the crowd. They catch her and put her back on the table, right? Yeah, they do, definitely. <laughs> you end up crowd-surfed back onto the tables, but you did officially lose. Jessica grabs your hand and says, now raise my hand like I won. Jalen raises her hand like she she did win. And then there's lots of cheering, and Iris is handing out coins for the people who bet. <laughs> and then she takes a big swig of mead, splashes a bunch of it on her dress, and says, best wedding ever. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jalen takes her face and gives her a big ol' smooch. The room erupts in cheers. And then Jalen's gonna get down, wipe her nose, <laughs> go to Cass, probably. <laughs> Clean up a little. Cass will clean you up a little bit, heal up your broken nose or whatever, your bloody nose. And then she's going to leave a written record of Jessica's and Jalen's agreement <laughs> oh, <laughs> to deliver yeah. to Jessica when she wakes up. Cass is like, I'll, I'll give it to her. Thanks. Actually, it would be great if I'm assuming you married them. Yeah. You're going to need to do it again. Not a problem. Thank you, Cass. They were pretty blitzed the first time. They're going to be blitzed the second time, too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I tried to talk her out of it. We ended up at a fist fight, and she's pretty good at fist fights. Yeah, she's great at fist fights. Thanks for trying, but she was never going to do things in the right order, so... I gathered. <laughs> All right, then Jalen's going to arm up again and go out. She's going to pick up some bottles of wine and a big loaf of bread and some cheese, and she's going to go down to the sewers, but we can come back to that. Let's jump over to Sable, who has only been out for about two hours. So, one more thing. What happens if I just destroy this? The amulet? No. The heart. Well, if you destroy it, then Yennefer Varathy's heart is dead. If she were to be killed then, there would be no bringing her back. So it won't hurt her? No. Okay. Because she, she's got a fairy heart in her chest at this point, right? She does. Mm -hmm. So are you still flying home? Yeah. Okay. When you arrive at House Varathy... The carriage has been set up. She's headed into court. She hasn't left yet, but there's the whole entourage is there. All the champions are there. They're all lined up. There's a bunch of extra house servants. She's putting on a whole show of power. Clearly. There's a bunch of freshly grown trees that have been logged and are loaded up to come into town with her. The estate is over full with people, thanks to the emergence from the thorns so there's just a ton of people getting ready to march into town like a friggin parade and you see yennefer is giving some last coordinating orders in the back and standing next to her is a person in a big hood big cloak pushing a baby carriage baby carriage 
Yeah. Ugh. I don't like that. Babies. We don't like babies. I don't know what that is all about. That's creepier than the still beating anatomical hearts. <laughs> Can I see if there's something in the carriage without getting close? There's a baby in the carriage. There's a baby in the carriage? What the fuck? Who yeah. has a baby? Who do we know mm-hmm. that has a baby? Well, you have a pretty big family with multiple range of children. I mean, you do have a big family with multiple ranges of children. Yeah, but was anybody ready to give birth? No. What Did anybody have a baby? No. Not that you can recall. Okay. Well, if they're standing with Yennefer, they're probably going to get in the carriage. Yep. So I'm going to get in the carriage. I'm a bird. You're a bird? Yeah. So you fly into the carriage. A minute or two goes by. Yennefer seems to have given the last of her orders. She climbs in the carriage, and the hooded figure sets the baby carriage, sort of detaches the bassinet part, and sets it in the carriage next to Yennefer. And then the hooded figure climbs up next to the driver on the outside of the carriage. Can I see who the hooded figure is? Can I get a glimpse under the hood? Roll me perception. I'm guessing it's Lorem Ipsum. Nine! So no. They're very hooded. Hiding their face on purpose, and you just don't get a good glimpse into the hood. Okay. Well, I wait until they're in the carriage before I turn back into Sable. So yeah, everybody's in the carriage. The carriage doors close. The curtains close. They're taken off. Once they start to take off, I'll turn back into Sable. Yennefer seems completely unsurprised. Yeah. Who's the baby? I don't think it has a name. Whose is it? Oh, it's not anyone's. Okay, then why is it here? Feel free to answer her. And the baby sits up and says, Hey, lady. Ugh. <laughs> Hey, baby. <laughs> Nate gives us nightmare fuel. <laughs> Yennefer just looks at you. What are you? I'm, you know, a baby. No, you're not. Well, you know, whatever. But what are you really? Uh, Yennefer, you called me a fetch, right? Yeah, I'm a fetch. Great. I used the weirdness of the baby as an excuse to shudder and scoot a little closer to Yennefer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty grossed out, so I should be sitting pretty close to her at this point. Yeah, you're right next to Yennefer. She seems completely unperturbed. Yeah, I'm going to look straight at her and like, what are you planning to do? Today, I'm just going to negotiate with everybody. Continuation of the conversations we've been having for the last week. And I believe there'll be a Lord's Council called today or tomorrow, at which point I will represent the house. And take over the land? Is that your plan? To take over Fenrir? Mm, indirectly. If it happens today, that'd be very convenient. Yennefer, what's the overall goal here? What is it that you want? Mm. And I'll tell you why I'm asking. I can't be a good ally to my family if I don't understand where we're going. If you haven't mm. noticed, I and my friends have our own agendas and our own goals. I don't know if they cross. I am not certain. And I, I really I need to know what motivates you. She reaches up and pulls the curtain open and slides one of the little wooden shutters open. And the baby lays back down and looks like a baby. Mm -hmm. And she says, will the rest of you get out or I will kill you now? And you hear a little flutter of wings as you imagine two or three things leave the carriage. Mm -hmm. And she closes the door and slides the curtain closed. And I go, thank you. Well, they just have to know that you mean business. And they know that I have... No love for the Fairy Queen's soldiers. Mm-hmm. So, we learned last night that in an attempt to create a diplomatic incident between the Fairy Court and the Kingdom of Fenrir, that the 
Fairy Queen's agents struggle to directly attack any agents of other courts. However, other courts could attack agents of the Fairy Queen. So we are going to continue to try to manipulate things such that there is a incident between the Summer Court and the Wild Fae. You're trying to take down the Fairy Queen. Yes, it will be very slow, and I think once we have arranged an incident between the Summer Queen and the Wild Court, they can arrange one between the, the Winter Queen and the Wild Court. Once she's outnumbered, she'll no longer be able to get a great number of her deals through that she relies on for whatever she thinks she has planned. Why the Fairy Queen? I mean, what has she done to you? <laughs> well, truth be told, with time, it's hard to remember. But I think, a few hundred years ago, she wronged me drastically. I don't remember it very well, but I do know that I don't let slights slide. It's one of the first rules she taught me when I became her protege. She has the same unforgiving heart. Yeah, I guess. Can you not forgive? If it were mm. hundreds of years ago, can you not let it go? And by the way, I'm getting ready, just so you know. I'm going to really try and surprise her. With sliding this behind her and sticking it to the back of her chest. Okay. She says, well... I mean, like a, is this to be like a boob assault? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when you make your move. All right. I'm trying it for it to be a surprise. She says, well, I can forgive if it were advantageous to me, but at the moment, the Fairy Queen is absolutely attempting to pull this realm into her realm permanently, and I cannot allow that. So your goal is to protect this realm? No. My goal is to deny the Fairy Queen her every ambition for the rest of her existence. I see. Protecting the realm is a nice bonus point. Hey, baby. You hear what? When we get to town, what are you going to do? I'm on guard duty. Nobody messes with Yennefer while I'm here. I see. And what can a baby do to protect Yennefer? <laughs> and then the baby just rolls over and sucks its thumb. <laughs> Great. It's not looking? No. Okay. And where is Yennefer looking? I mean, Yennefer's looking at you. I'll say, Yennefer, I find it sad that you are so driven by hate. Hate implies... Now she's looking away, right? Yeah. <laughs> she kind of gives this pensive look away, and she's saying, Hate implies that I care much more deeply than I truly do. I've got loads of clothing on, so I ought to be able to move and then be able to touch her pretty quickly with this heart. Give me a sleight of hand oh, roll. God damn it, I hate sleight of hand. Sable missed her calling as a thief. Yeah. <laughs> she did. She did miss her calling as a thief. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I will on, come give on. you advantage because you have waited for an opportune moment. Uh, let's see. 23. Ah, wow. yes. <laughs> First one was a six, but the second one was a 19. Nice. Missed your calling. You quickly pull a heart out and touch it to her. Okay. She's going to roll a dice. Do, 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 do. Roll Click poorly. Roll, roll poorly. Uh, I don't know that you want that, but she rolls. The heart immediately absorbs into her chest, and she freezes, and out of her back, through her clothes, shoots a wooden heart. I'm going to grab that if I can. The wooden heart bounces off the back of the carriage. It tears through her clothes and lodges itself in the ceiling of this carriage. And it, it is a wooden heart shape. And you can grab it. I'm snatching that thing. Yeah, it's cold. It's so cold. It hurts oh, your fingers. Great. Well, I have gloves on. Through your gloves. It's real cold. All right. I'll wrap it in something. And I will go, what were you saying about carrying? 
Yennefer is sitting in the chair and she just seems stunned. Her eyes are drifting in and out of focus. Her hands start to shake. I'm going to grab her hands. I've tucked the heart away now. I'm going to grab her hands to steady her and see if she'll look me in the eye. Also to keep her from doing any magic. <laughs> yeah, she starts to come to a little bit and looks directly at you. And I'll say, I think we need to talk. It's time for an ad. Behind you, another door slams. And you are at a dead end. Investigate the door that slams shut and see if I can figure out a way to reverse engineer it. Okay. Uh, go ahead and give me an investigation. <laughs> One. Oh, no! <laughs> There's no way out. <laughs> Luckily, our characters brought a mixed six pack of limeades and lemonades from Bozorth Beverages. With that, they could wait it out all night. Go forth in Bozorth at bozbev, B-O-Z-B-E-V dot com. It's the mid-roll, and that means it's time for fairy facts. Let's talk mermaids. There are several kinds. There's the selkie, which is a seal folk. The seal can cast off its skin and become a hot lady periodically and come ashore where it inevitably meets a human dude who falls in love, or the male selkie who inevitably meets an unhappy wife of a fisherman. Same story. If the human can find and hide away the selkie's discarded seal skin, he or she will marry them and they can't return home. But problematically, if they ever find that skin, well, away they go. The children of these partnerships are considered the origin of webbed hands, feet, or scaly skin conditions. Marrow are Irish mermaids who have a magical hat, which gives them the power to travel between land and sea. Marrow have green hair, hot upper, lady bods, or ugly man bods and fish bottoms. The marrow works just like the selkie. Steal the hat, get a husband or wife, they find it, lose them. Mermaid tales are popular all over the world, and they have wildly different powers. Some are almost godlike and grant wishes, others ensorcel people, many foretell doom, but most fairy tales end up with a happy fish to a human couple that meets a tragic end but leaves behind fishy children. You can start to see a shared human imagination born of a difficult-to-understand sea and minor birth maladies. There's no easy way to deal with mermaids, though iron might scare them off. They're not terribly dangerous unless you run into the singing kind. If you see one at sea, take cover. They tend to port in doom. If you see one on land, start looking for some leverage or you're getting dumped for some sort of fish creature. Okay, back to the show. The carriage. So Yennefer's slowly pulling her wits back together. You can see her eyes have started to just water. Her eyes are crying, but her face isn't. And she says, Sable, oh, wow, there was 200 years of feelings there. There's no way to do it gently. The baby rolls over and says, are you okay? Stay out of this, baby. <laughs> I'm loving this. Also, I am imagining the terrible movie Boss Baby. <laughs> that's the baby that's talking. <laughs> and the baby just sits there staring at Yennefer. Yennefer says, Sable, I've made a lot of mistakes. How about you tell me about them? There's there's too many. Way too many mistakes. Can I make a recommendation, Yennefer? Yes. Maybe until you can get yourself back, we let somebody else run the house? She breathes in really deeply and says, No, I can handle this. Hold on. 
Let me just get my composure. No, no, don't. I don't think you should ignore what you're feeling. And she looks up and says, Sable, we, we're very close. This has been a, a 250-year plan. And she just lets in this big breath and says, and it was a terrible plan, but it's already in motion. It's a 250-year plan to do what? To destroy the Fairy Queen? <sighs> yes. It is a 250-year-old plan to get the Fairy Queen's sisters to expel her from her kingdom. Why? She's not going to stop, Sable. She's not going to stop what? She's going to take us? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Every man, woman, and child. Every animal. Every plant. All right. So let's stand against her together. Pitting Faye against Faye isn't going to help us. There's just going to be another one that rises up in her place. You don't understand. She did something to herself, Sable. She's not a fae anymore. She's something very different. She wanted to learn to love, right? I don't know. What I do know is that she's not going to stop until she has brought all of Fenrir into her kingdom. Humans can't live there. It's too painful. Okay, then we stop it. But these machinations, they're only going to hurt more of us. You're right. No, the costs are too high in the plan. There is one thing I can do still, though. What is that? I still have hold of her hands, by the way. I'm holding on to them tight enough that my hands hurt. Because <laughs> I just don't want her starting to cast spells. She turns her head and says, Baby, we're moving on to plan B. Uh, what's plan B? B is for baby. What's baby going to do? Baby is going to get a summer court fairy to attack him. Mm. Belay that, baby. Baby just shrugs and says, Baby does what baby wants. <laughs> can, can we just... Yennefer, can we, can we please talk about this first? I have a lot of information that you probably don't have. And a lot of leverage. I mean, I got you out. Sable, for 250 years, I have studied every agreement the Fairy Queen has ever made. I've been doing nothing but pulling in information for this outcome. She has only two weaknesses... And they are her sisters. We need to turn her sisters against her. It's the only path forward. Can you tell me about those agreements? I mean, we have a little time. There are thousands and thousands of the She's a creature made of agreements. Right, and one of those was to learn to love one thing. What was I it? I don't know. Was it Marigold? All I know about that agreement is that she struck it with a mortal who she married. No one in the fairy wild has seen Marigold in hundreds of years. There's a statue. An ice statue. In the garden, yes. Is it Marigold? It's entirely possible it's Marigold, but it's also possible it's a statue of Marigold. Well, how about we act like it is a possibility that it's her, and that if we could release her, then maybe there's a conversation that could be had, a problem that could be solved without absolute destruction. Look. If you bring the Summer Court and the Winter Court down against the Fey Wilds, it's quite possible that we're going to be destroyed right along with them. At least give us time to get a way out. My friends and I are working on a way to get past the Thorns, out of the Thorns. If we can do that, she doesn't have the hold on us that she's had. If we can get out of the Thorns before we take actions against the Fairy Queen, it's a better plan. It's a riskier plan. A much, much, much riskier plan. But I'll agree, it's a better plan 
and it's not the plan that I had. All right, baby, belay plan B. And baby says, all right, what do you want me to do instead? And she says, we're going to buy our time. We need to figure out what the fairy queen is doing, how she intends to pull this chunk of our world into her world. That would be great. That would be a very important thing to know. I like the idea of not starting a war. And I'll slowly let go of her hands. You let go of her hands and she lets them fall into her lap and she says, Sable, I came back because she's really close. It could happen any day. You have to hurry. We are going tomorrow. I hope that that is fast enough. What are you going to do at court? She says, well, the original plan was to slowly get into a position where I could act as a fairy queen agent and therefore make the attacks myself. For buying time, with the main goal of getting out of the thorns, I can redirect the conversation this evening. All right. We'll get to work on our end. I have two creatures who might be able to cut thorns without consequences. It'll be slow. They're not built for it. We have a machine. Baby says, you know, I'm not really good at cutting thorns, but if you want to tunnel out through the earth or something, I might be able to help. I happen to know a place where they're digging, but you'd have to promise not to hurt anybody. Baby says, I won't hurt anybody as long as nobody hurts Mama. I think Mama's better than she's been in a while. And Baby looks up at Yennefer, who is clearly just tears pouring down her face, and her face isn't crying. It's very strange. And says, yeah, I don't understand you humans anymore. And just rolls over and sticks his thumb in his mouth. <laughs> so we'll cut back over to House Lunari. Byron has calmed down now. He's back to being not green. A little pale, but not green. Uh, he's got full-on anxiety sweat, but... So Sylpha says to him, I don't know that I would call myself a hero, but I would like to help you in any manner that I can. My plan thus far was to make it clear that you have a powerful friend, and anyone trifling with you or your children would be trifling with me. I've got a different plan. Hear, hear me out on this. The only thing people know about fetches is that they replace abducted people. So, if I'm abducted, then there's no threat to me or the children. And if I'm rescued, then I may not be trusted, but I won't be a secret fairy agent or a fetch. So what I need is to come up with some way to be rescued from the fae, and some way to hide that's really good. That is a thought, and I certainly have resources to draw upon if we were to go forward with a plan like that. The larger danger and implications of people recognizing that fetches are within the population of the nobility presents a possible danger to anyone who wants to use that excuse for their political agenda. Yeah. We're going to need to make a whole system up for this. There's going to need to be new laws. I can work on this. There are means of identifying a fetch. Great. We can use that. Look, you're correct that I am working on a larger project, and I swear to you that if it were not for that project and the larger goals that I hold, I would physically stay by your side right now. But I think the Lady Miav would chastise me for being distracted, and I think that she would be correct in doing so. What we're working on is a matter of great import that could improve things for everyone 
not just give you and your children a way out, but everyone's from the people who put food on our tables to the ones that put clothes on our backs and those who keep the thorns at bay to allow us all to do that. Byron says, well, Silpha, you have saved my life and my whole family's life and frankly, most of my house, both literal and the, the people inside of it. I have absolute confidence that you are going to do something truly amazing. Aww. And I'm realizing that this turn of events is putting me in the way. Please, I intend to call a meeting and make an announcement later today. I'm going to gather my family. I would appreciate it if you would gather yours. We can discuss the current news and all come up with a way forward together. Roll me persuasion. 23. 23. Byron puts his hands in your hands. He looks straight into your face and says, I am going to trust your plan. Let's do your plan. This does not preclude your plan. And she just looks at him really earnestly, and she's saying it as much to herself as to him. And she says, I know that things are really difficult right now, but I promise they won't be like this forever. We're working to make things better. And he gives you a little sad smile and says, Then I guess I will wait for you. Once we get to court, I would like to find someone to let them know that (laughs) Yennefer has had a bit of a change of heart. (laughs) Yuck, yuck, yuck. Yuck, 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 yuck. I suspect that she will not be seeking to completely take over. We are meeting with the mentors tonight. Yeah. So yeah, we just, just tell them that court will probably be a different affair today. Give me a persuasion check. You're basically calming things down at court. That's what I'm trying to do. 16. Okay, a 16's pretty effective. You let a few key people know that this is going to be a little bit different. Let hear people out. Let it go. Let it run its course. And word does get around to the mentors, and things do seem to calm down a little bit. Okay, and then I'd just go and wait, somewhat impatiently. I, I would admittedly be a little concerned. You head down to the sewer. She did ask Lord Evans if he could get some servants to guard the entrance. She's, she wants to check up on that. What's your cook's name again? Helga. Helga. So Helga is sitting next to the entrance, and she is not wearing her cook's outfit. Uh-huh. She is wearing armor, and she has big old butcher knives dangling <laughs> off of her belt. Nice. Her arms are crossed, and she has a sleeveless get-up on right now. Yeah, Helga is secretly ripped. She is a tank of an enforcer. Yeah, Jalen loves Helga. She's loved Helga for a long, long time. When she gets down there, she'll say, Helga, I didn't expect you to pull this duty. Lord Evans said there were some people left down here that needed protecting, and, well, no one's been at the manor recently, so the joy of cooking has kind of faded. You can see that. Well, hopefully we'll change that soon enough. She digs in her bag, and she comes out with a bottle of wine and a bottle of mead, and says, I brought these for you to thank you. I'm going to leave them in the common room. It would be great if you didn't drink them on duty. No problem. Has there been anybody down here? Yeah, the diggers are here somewhere. Actually, they should be back out any second if you go stand by the tunnel door. Yeah, I'll go talk to them. Anything else? Anybody else? No, that's it. Okay. Well, Helga, you're the best. Well, if you 
help yourself to some of the tarts in the common room, I will feel like someone has at least appreciated my cooking. I will take some for me and some for my friends. Excellent. Jalen says, did you happen to hear about Jessica getting married last night to Iris Lunari? No. Jalen nods her head slowly. Yeah. Yeah, she did that. They are throwing a rager at socialize. Jessica is taking challengers in fistfights. If you ever wanted to have the opportunity to go and hand her ass to her, this might be it. So if you get a break from door duty here, you might go and show her what's what. Can't miss that opportunity. I took a turn with her and got my ass handed to me, but it was worth every moment. But looking at you, Helga, I think your fight might go a little differently for what it's worth. You flatter me. All right, take several tarts. She'll go on in and she'll pick up some of those tarts and then she's going to go into Kylan's room and then the bigger room. Yeah, so you wait. It takes probably another 10 minutes or so, but eventually you do hear some loud movement and the door swings open and the three diggers are there and they are covered in dirt. They've clearly been mining. They're wheeling out several big wheelbarrows of big freaking rocks. And they stop and go, oh, Jalen. Hey, need a hand? Um, no, not really. But we're going to take a little break and then haul this stuff up and out. What brings you down here? Let's go to the common room. Sure. All right. She takes them down there. You digging in the caves? Yeah, yeah. I think we figured out the best place to proceed past the rocks. She pushes tarts at them. Helga's tarts at them. They're like, oh, and just start eating the cookies. And someone goes, oh, man, mead. Uh, these two are for Helga. And then she pulls out another two and says, and these two are for you. They smile broadly and start pouring into cups. All right. So what'd you find? All right. So there's signs of something living in the caves, but we can't find them. Animals? Mm, no. Something definitely that uses tools. Hmm. But anyway, whatever's in there, it's not there now, or at least it's leaving us alone. Are you armed? Oh yeah, we, we got some picks and stuff. Are you armed with anything else? No, no, but we're good with picks. Alright. You have healing potions? No. No, we don't have that kind of money. She puts down a gold and says, go to Thalia, buy as many potions as that'll buy you. Healing potions cost 50 gold. I thought we said we'd, it doesn't cost as much here because we've got a pretty... Our economy is uh, very different. But I don't think a gold is going to buy one. She'll give them enough. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> you give them a little bag of coins. Yep. And say, buy as much healing potions as that'll buy you and have that with you. They say, okay, we can, we can do that. Anyway, we, we found a way through the caves and we found some soft rock on the far side. So we've started digging again. It's actually really good. I mean, like it's some twists and turns. It's not a straight shot anymore. But it saved us three months of digging. Great. You did, did any mapping of what you did there yet? Yeah. And he flops down a really dirty piece of paper. And you can see that there's this quasi-catacombs of cave. That, it looks almost like a big twisted star. It's got little almost tentacle-like protrusions in shape. But they've shown you if you go through one squiggle and into the main circle and then into the other squiggle, there's a spot that's 
not perfectly straight, but basically continues the tunnel. Okay. She'll ask Lisa if she can make a copy of it before they go back in and leave it for her. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Well, enjoy the cookies and the booze. Get those healing potions. Yeah, I'll go get them now. And Helga's here to protect you all and help you, so, you know, hit her up if you need it. They nod. And then she's going to go back to the altar. Okay. Kylan had the table and chairs that they were playing cards around, and she's going to pull one of those chairs over to the altar and sit down and take out the loaf of bread and cheese. And she's going to cut off a slice of bread and a slice of cheese and eat it and wait. And then she's going to cut off two more pieces and put two more pieces of cheese on it and put them on the altar. You see little bites start to disappear from the cheese. Actually, both pieces of cheese at once, as if multiple heads are eating. And they finish and you hear some happy noises. And then appearing on the altar... It looks like four rats merged together at the back end. So there's four rat heads pointed in all directions. And one of the heads looks at you and says, You know, if your dad finds out I'm talking to you, he will absolutely kill me. Are you scared of my dad? Oh, Kylan? Oh, man. That, yeah. Well, he's not around. So I can keep a secret if you can. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I don't want to be on the wrong side of uh, Kylan or the or my boss, uh, the Fairy Queen, so I'm going to try to cut this real short. She's going to cut off four pieces of bread and pieces of cheese and puts it out there and says, I'm sorry, I thought at most I was feeding two mouths, but it looks like I'm feeding five, and puts another one for the secretary. Anyway, here's the deal. Your dad's, he's a, he's a real piece of work. She just smiles and a small smile and nods like she's compassionately listening. Working with him is kind of like holding a tiger with your pinky toes. I live because I don't piss him off. And frankly, I'm pretty sure he's just waiting for his opportunity. So is there something you need? Because we really should cut this off fast. I'm just wondering what you're still doing here. Oh, well, there'll be another guild eventually. So I'm here to greet them into the fold. And you think the new guild is going to look like the old guild? Oh, it doesn't matter to me, as long as they want to be rats or something. What do you get out of it? I was created for this express purpose. She nods slowly. This is my nature. So, this is what I do. Are you tied to the altar? Like, you have to go where the altar goes? No! No, I can wander a little bit. Hmm. So you just hang out and just listen to a lot of nothing going on right now? Oh, I wander the sewers, you know take a little vacation here and there. There's a nice trash pile underneath a couple of the, the that inn, socialize. Mm. Yeah, no. I bet that's a pretty good place to get a bite to eat. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. I, uh, talk to your secretary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before. So you, you are the Rat King? Yep. Rat King's the name. King of the Rats. You like your highness, your majesty, your grace, your eminence. No, no, no. It's not like an official title. That would piss off the Fairy Queen. No, I'm just a rat leader. <laughs> but I prefer the term Rat King. It's got a very notable tone to it. But you you shouldn't call me Lord or anything. I'm... I will not call you Lord, Rat King. Do you have a direct line of communication with the lady? No, I have an indirect line of communication with the lady. Hmm. Did your secretary mention what we talked about before? Only that you were the new, uh, you were the new Kylan. 
Hmm. Well, actually, I believe he said specifically, you're not the new Kylan, but for our purposes, you're the new Kylan. I believe he said Vincent. Oh, well, yeah, okay, that's fair. Hmm. Don't warn you, I'm not like either one of them. Which is not true, she's actually quite a bit like Kylan, but she would never admit that. I mean, that's good, because Vincent was a kiss-ass, and Kylan's about to kill me. So, I'll take anything else, frankly. <laughs> anything other than Kylan. Anything other than kiss-ass or about to kill me. Yep, one of those two would be unfortunate, but anything else is good. Did Kylan make his most recent deal through you? That he did. What would it take to change the terms on that deal? My understanding is... That deal has already failed, and the terms are fairly irrelevant at the moment, so uh, I don't know why you'd want to do that. And to be honest with you, if you tried to negotiate a deal with me, I might have to turn you down unless Kylan's dead somewhere, because he will absolutely cut my head clean off, all four of them. What if, let me put it this way, if his deal has failed, he might take it out on you anyway, because that's likely to piss him off. So... What if we talked about another way to consider the terms fulfilled? <laughs> you may roll me either intimidate or deception. I'm going to go with deception because that's a skill I have. <laughs> All right. Give it, a, give it a roll. Natural 20. Oh, oh. yeah. 29. <laughs> he says, look, let's assume for a second that this is in my best interests. And, I, you know, I'm I'm not willing to say it is or it isn't, but. Let's say, like, if we were going to talk about a deal, what would we talk about? I did the Fairy Queen some favors, unsought for. Some pretty major favors. And I wonder whether that might just not count for something towards this deal. Wait here. And the clumsiest four rats facing different directions creature falls off the <laughs> altar and gracefully skitters into this sewer pipe and in a few seconds you hear like rolling and he comes out with this ball it's about the size of a softball it's made of glass and he slides it up to the altar and says uh, hey little help can you put this on the altar she puts it up on the altar and he skitters really inartfully up the side of the altar this was not an optimal form you want me to make you a step no no this is cool this is how i do it okay all right all right, so here's the deal. This is a way to talk to the Fairy Queen. Oh. So, anyway, you didn't get this from me. You want me to talk to the Fairy Queen? Yeah, I mean, if she'll talk to you, go for it. Mandy! <laughs> Don't, no! She's going to get up and pace away for a mm -hmm. second with her hands on her hips looking at the ceiling because that was not what she was expecting. This is not how she was expecting this to go. She's so curious, man. <laughs> Okay. If you do this, you lose all rights to <laughs> say anything to save all about dealing with Faye. I don't think she ever would have either anyway at this point. I, I think she faced a numbing comeuppance in the thorns with everything we found out. I think she she knows better than that now. Okay, she's going to come back. Don't do it. I say, okay, what do I do? Well, you just pick it up, and if she's there, she'll answer. All right, Jalen picks it up. So you hear before you see the acoustics change wildly. It's like you're not down in the sewer anymore. It's like you're in a, a massive stone ballroom. And then the crystal starts to clear up a little bit. And you see the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Hmm. It's painful to look at. 
with these glittering wings that she folds up behind her back and she takes a seat in her chair and the only thing about her that is not human other than this weird beauty that's difficult to gaze upon is she does have pointed ears and there's some autumn leaves threaded through her hair and she just takes a seat and she makes a little hand gesture like go on my lady there's a nod i humbly wanted to ask if you would entertain an idea from me she gestures with her hand again go on my father your hound recently made a deal on my behalf which he can't fulfill i and my friends did a deed a few days ago which i believe is a boon for you and i don't know whether you know of that or not i'm assuming you do because you are well informed she gives you a little nod and she gestures go on with her hand there are six mason vampires who are dead now and you gave the hound three targets for his deal can those six count you see her rub her face and jayla's trying to be the right amount of polite but not kissing her ass and the rat king next to you says she wants to know how interested you are in being a fairy or being a human I'm going to be dead honest with you, my lady. I have no idea what the fairy half of my nature looks like, and I don't know that I can make that decision yet. Choosing human is not a foregone conclusion, but I can't commit to joining something I know nothing about yet. The Rat King says, she says if you add to it your earnest promise to thoroughly consider fairy as your final outcome, she will accept the vampires that you have removed in place of Kylan's targets. Can Kylan be informed of this immediately? It's quiet for a long time. The Fairy Queen hasn't moved her mouth once. And the Rat King says, technically, yes. My lady, is Kylan still alive and in the human realm? It's quiet. And the Rat King says, Kylan is still alive and he is in the human realm. This information I provide you for free. Thank you, lady. That means an awful lot to me. The rat says, If you say that you will earnestly consider the fey outcome for your choice, she has agreed to your terms. But you must say it. Lady, I will thoroughly consider the fey outcome. Then the pact is struck. She kind of swallows. <laughs> Her heart's beating a little harder, but she's trying not to show it. And she says, Thank you, my lady. And she gestures with her hand like a continue, but then the, the crystal just goes dark and the sound fades away. The audio now sounds like you're back in the sewers. And the Rat King says, could you go ahead and not tell your dad about this? Because, you know, maybe, maybe tell him you did the deal with like somebody else or anybody else. Sure thing, Rat King. Thanks for the conduit. I got your back if you got my backs. I'm not going to make that deal with you, but I'll do my best. Yeah, it's just a turn of phrase. Don't worry about it. I've been around humans for... Yeah, with you fairies, <laughs> there's no such thing as a turn of phrase. <laughs> no, no, I get it, I get it, I get it. I just, I've been around humans for like 300 years. I'm learning, I'm learning how you do things. But well done studying human behavior. Hey, no problem. All right, well, if you're hungry, there's the other half of this loaf and this cheese. It's all yours. 
oh no that's cool i don't actually need to eat i just do for fun sometimes enjoy all righty <laughs> she'll leave the bread and cheese for the others in the common room yeah And that is our episode for today. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you got this podcast. We love you, and we thank you for hanging out with us for this long. What will happen at court this evening when our heroes come back together? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. I'm not putting that on the Fenrir Spotify playlist. We're leaving together. <laughs> oh, come on. When the thorns come down. Three days till the castle. And then it's farewell. <laughs> That's one of those earworm songs. That I hear it and then I hear it in my head for the next two weeks. New song on the playlist. <laughs> I need a hero. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. So will be your hero. Uh, uh, As will Jalen, okay. Lynn, and probably Sable if she comes back here tonight. <laughs>